You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Nice. One dog in a chair. There we go. That's okay. That's fine. It's fun. It's a fun day. I don't know. Do we have something to talk about? Oh, of course. Wayne Rooney's officially in DC United. Hooray. That's obviously what Hooray. we're going to lead with on episode 217 of the Affordable Fair podcast. I am Edward Green. Joined by, I would guess, a somewhat elated Wes Bradshaw. I don't know if he's actually come down yet. Um, it's more shock than elation. There you go. That's well, actually, well, I didn't make a sound for like three minutes after the goal went in. Welcome to England, fandom folks. Fully expected Dyer to stab that thing about ten yards over. <laughs> Oh, we, if you don't know, by the way, we're coming to you technically on a July 3rd night. Uh, Happy July 4th, hopefully, is when we're getting this podcast out. So you'll be able to check that out for your barbecue and have it play in the background uh, while people don't pay attention. For all our international listeners who will be like, oh, cool, Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. Um, So we'll be be talking plenty about the World Cup. So much to get through uh, with the round of 16 that just completed. Uh, about five six hours ago, down in uh, down in Moscow, um, big stuff happening there. Um, we'll also have very brief news and notes, uh, a little bit of the watch for and so raw. Um, as always, this podcast is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop, and the the hypeness that has been the 2018 World Cup certainly doesn't stop either. Um, I think there was a little bit of a worry. I remember last uh, last um, last time, four years ago, when it was in Brazil. Remember we had a dynamite group stage, and then things really slowed down once we hit the knockout stage. Um, that hasn't really happened so far in Russia 2018. Um, so real quick, uh, since last we left you, um, back in the group stage, England sort of lost to Belgium, uh, 1-0, thanks to Adnan Yanazai, who now every Belgian hates, um, and Tunisia beat Panama, so that's a good thing. Um, elsewhere, uh, Group H, uh, Poland beat Japan, Colombia beat Senegal, and Senegal went out on yellow cards. Oh, this is crap. Yeah. Couldn't, wouldn't be the World Cup unless something bizarre happened. But that's okay. That, that, that gave us our 16 teams into the knockout stage. And, uh, and, and we advanced on. Um, so let's go in chronological order as we always do. Uh, we start on June 30th. And what a way to kick things off. Two teams we didn't really know 
how they were going to be when they entered the knockout stage. France looks so schizophrenic. At times, they looked fantastic, exactly what their talent suggested. And other times, they looked like France. Um, on the other hand, you had Argentina, who barely scraped by through a Marcus Rojo goal. Yeah, that, that's also the thing. Um, but we, we, so we didn't really know what to expect from either team coming in, but we were treated to one hell of a game. Uh, Antoine Griezmann got the party started early for France with a penalty in the 13th minute. But then Argentina roared back to life around the halfway marker. Di Maria, who has been so quiet this entire tournament, um, comes up in the 41st minute with a goal. And then just three minutes after the restart, Argentina takes a 2-1 lead through Gabriel Mercado. Um, And all of a sudden you're thinking... Wow, is this is this really how France is going to go out to a to a really bad Argentina team? Turns out it's not, um, because two things happened. One, Benjamin Prevard uh, put out one of the most beautiful goals you will ever see, and then Kylian Mbappe had his World Cup coming out party with a four minute brace just about 10 minutes after Pavard's uh, Pavard's goal that all of a sudden turned it from a 2-1 French deficit to a 4-2 French lead. Argentina stunned. They got one late goal through Aguero in the 93rd minute but didn't have enough time to pick up an equalizer, although they almost did. It came very close, but only one chance really remaining at that point. And France goes through 4-3 against Argentina West. Uh, Such an amazingly entertaining game that I still, at the end of it, I don't know how good France actually is. Uh, you, You mentioned Mbappe's coming out party with those two goals. It actually started in the first half as he's the one who had a 60-yard run through yeah. the Argentine defense mm-hmm. that actually and, and then drew the penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, drew the penalty, which Griezmann went and, and then finished, and that was just kind of like, oh god, this guy's here. <laughs> yeah. He's figured it out, and, and he was absolutely magnificent on the day. Um, and, and then you look up, and you're like, shit, he's 19. <laughs> um, I mean, it was. It was just, it was one of those. It's like you just saw greatness just, you know, appear before your eyes. Um, and while he was doing all that, Paul Pop had nowhere to be found. But anyway, of course. I digress. <laughs> uh, the uh, Pavada? Prevard. Prevard, I'm sorry. I uh, didn't have it in front of me. <laughs> I had to go off memory. The Prevard goal, as you said, was absolutely spectacular. It took it on a volley and just. The backspin on it was just amazing. It was fantastic. One of the best goals you'll see in this World Cup. And then Argentina, you know, kind of woke up. Di Maria, that that second Di Maria goal was um, fantastic. That was that was also a gorgeous goal. Uh, Messi kind of set up that second mm-hmm. goal. It was it was a messy shot that was deflected. Uh, but you know, other than that, you know, the thing for Messi, man, he just he had to come so deep to get the ball. Yes. He, you know, in that match, I, I believe in the France match and one other match, he touched the ball one time in each match inside the box. Jesus. I mean, this is freaking Leo Messi. 
Um, and it just it, it went on to highlight this match really highlighted the the pluses and the massive negatives of this Argentine team. Mm-hmm. Explosive going forward when they get when they get things going, they're explosive going forward. But just so poor in the back and so disorganized and so poor in midfield. It, it, it was a, it was almost a damn shame that that team made it to the knockout round. Yeah, I mean, everybody wanted to because you want to see Messi in the knockout round. But all I think it did was just delay the inevitable of them just getting smacked around by a better team. Yeah. Um, France. France is going to have to pick it up if they're going to keep advancing in this tournament. Um, they're just uh, they're just really inconsistent, and they're not the only team. Don't get me wrong; no, they're not the only ones in this tournament. But they do have that firepower that they can they can turn it on and they can hit you. Like I said, you know, when you've got a guy like Mbappe, mm-hmm. and then you've got guys running around like Griezmann um, and the sexy Frenchman, <laughs> who actually you know, a really nice through ball from Giroud set up that last hole. Um, set up the winner. Uh, there, there's so many weapons on that French team. I mean, when you look at the French fullbacks, I mean, the, the ones that we knew going into this tournament, they're not playing. No. You know, ben Mendy's not playing. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> He barely just came back. Yeah, but, but you know, I think everyone was like, oh, well, Mendy will play. Mendy's the best one. Well, Mendy ain't playing. And, and uh, these other guys, they're doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, the French are... They're, they're loaded, man. We knew they were loaded. And it, it's scary how they can not click on all cylinders and it's still just, you know, it still comes off for them. Mm-hmm. And they can put four goals by a team in a knockout stage. So, I mean, France incredibly dangerous going forward. Of course, in our tournament predictor, this is where we had them going out, was in the group of eight. Mm-hmm. Um, or in the final eight against Uruguay. So we'll see. We'll see. Do they, you know, do they go with our prediction or do they, uh, do they throw us a curveball and keep going? I do think if they can keep going, though, they're they're a very dangerous draw for anybody. Mm-hmm. What sucks for them is kind of with everybody else, they've got to go through Brazil to get there. Yeah. And that doesn't look like a very good, um, you know, that doesn't look like a very good kettle of fish for anyone to have to deal with. So we'll see what happens, but um, I think it was a deserved win by France. I think the French were better on the day. Sure. Uh, but, you know, just in the, in, in the Rogue State World Cup, <laughs> this is just how stuff's going down. And it's, um, I mean, it's pretty awesome. It's awesome to watch as a neutral. I mean, it's just, it's just great stuff. It's great football. It, it's been fantastic to watch, and, and the games, most of the games going forward just kept building on this one. Um, just a great start to the group stage, uh, and Wes, you mentioned it. They will be going up against Port, or sorry, Uruguay in the quarterfinals uh, due to their two-one win over Portugal. Um, and as I texted you while that game was going on, Enzin Cavani has finally showed up to an international tournament. It's great to see. Uh, Cavani scored super early. Uh, on a great give-and-go with Luis Suarez in the seventh minute. Uh, Uruguay, that defense has been so good. It continued to be good. Uh, But Portugal did strike back in the 55th minute through Pepe because Pepe hands. Um, But Uruguay, undeterred, seven minutes later, 
Cavani strikes again. This time puts Uruguay up for good. Um, and Wes, you want to talk about dangerous teams. They, they do give up the goal to Portugal. Uh, this is a Uruguayan side who that's the first goal they've given up the entire tournament so far. Um, as we've said before, this is a very good defensive squad. And if Suarez and especially Cavani are going to be on, they do have an offense that can match up with a lot of teams. So if they, when they go up against France, if, if they stifle that attack and stifle guys like Pogba, like, uh, like Griezmann going forward, they do have guys who can score goals. This isn't a bunker down 10 men, pray we hit you on the counter. No, this is a, we win the ball in midfield. We have two guys who can go down to the other end and score on you. Absolutely. That's what makes them so difficult is, you know, they play like an old, they play an old school 4-2 formation. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, they don't play the, the sexy, <laughs> they don't play the newfangled, you know, the 4-3-3s, the 4-3-2, the 4-2-3-1s. They don't do that. They put their two big strikers up front and they defend like hell mm-hmm. <laughs> and they kill you in the midfield. Um, I, I really, in this tournament, I think Uruguay are the most balanced team that there is. I would agree with that, yes. When you look at the guys up front, you look at the midfield, and then especially in the defense, I mean, they're extremely balanced. I don't think for anything they're the most talented team, mm-hmm. but they are the most balanced. Um, and that's what and that's what's showing through. You know, they were better than Portugal. They were just better than Portugal on the day. Um, I think Portugal were kind of fortunate to keep it at 2-1. And, and part of that was, I think, because Uruguay – Uruguay figure, hey, if we get two goals, we're winning. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they just kind of shut it down at that point. Um, and they very well deserve to go through. Uh, we, no one, I don't think anyone was sold on Portugal anyway. It mm-hmm. was, you know, we knew they were limited. We knew it was, you know, how far can Ronaldo take them? And the rest of the guys do the dirty work. And they ran, I think they just ran into a team that was, kind of kryptonite for them mm-hmm. um that's why i think i think they just hit the wrong team yeah at, uh, at the wrong time well and, and uh, as as you say you know, maybe you give them a france or something like that where it's mm-hmm. a little more open mm-hmm. they can do some things but uruguay is just wrong team wrong time for portugal well and and especially with with as you're saying because because uruguay is so balanced you, and if you don't have the horses to really go up against them, you don't have an obvious weakness to expose with them. So for Portugal, it's it was you kind of have to pray Ronaldo does something special, kind of like he did against Spain when they drew okay. three with them, three three with them. Otherwise, there's there's just not enough there. There's no weakness they could say. Well, you know, we're better in this area or we're better in this area because again. Ronaldo gets granted it takes kind of two guys to do it, but he gets kind of canceled out by Cavani and Suarez, especially this edition of Cavani and Suarez. So, yeah, just just no obvious weaknesses. Very balanced team, and uh, if if you want to, we can do a really quick preview now as we go through. We'll do the, the two leading into each quarterfinal match. Um, so now Uruguay France uh, to play for the right to go to the semifinals. And, and Wes, you know, with, with this, as you said, as skit, as as un uh, unstable as France has been this tournament, 
I think I actually favor Uruguay in this one. Now, that doesn't mean they're absolutely going to win. Because France could show up and, and put another four past Uruguay. Oh, yeah. But I, I think Uruguay has the stability to be able to knock France out of this tournament. Kind of like with Portugal, this might be wrong team, wrong time for the mm-hmm. French. Um, now that said, as you said, France definitely the firepower. If they're clicking and they're patient and they don't just try to shove this down Uruguay's throat, mm-hmm. um, and they take what's given to them, and you know all the good coaches talk that we love, you know, take what's given <laughs> to them, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, France can go out there and beat them because. If France can remain disciplined, they're a very good squad Mm -hmm. on top of just being very talented. The thing with France is I don't trust France to be disciplined enough to really be able to break down Uruguay Mm -hmm. unless they somehow catch them on a break uh, where, you know, Mbappe is good enough to burn anybody on a break. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not, I'm not in pick on Paul Pogba mode. (laughs) I'll say this. Um, you know, I think by now you all know our thoughts on Paul yeah. Pogba. This is the kind of match where Pogba, I can see Pogba taking half a dozen 35-yard shots mm-hmm. because Pogba kind of gets into that mode. And, you know, kind of as Pogba goes, sometimes it's how France goes because he is, you know, he is the, the creative force on that squad. Mm-hmm. And Pogba's shown that when a team wants to sit back and then cut off your space and not give you places to roam and not give you room to, you know, play beautiful football. And also don't forget Uruguay, Uruguay, they've got the dark arts. Yeah. You know, they don't mind chopping you down and just leaving you a 40 yard, you know, free kick. (laughs) Um, This is the kind of match that I could see Pogba getting really frustrated in. And if he starts getting frustrated and launching 35, 40 yard shots on goal, um, you've got enough other guys on this team who are going to be like, Shh, I'm not going to let him get all the shots. I'm going to take my own 30-yard shot now. <laughs> um, I don't think Mbappe is going to have anywhere near the space to run into that he did against Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, you know, Uruguay, have they've got true pros when it comes to that defense. I mean, they've got pros, pros back there, with, you know, led by Godin. Um I, think, I I can see them just abusing the shit out of Mbappe, mm-hmm. um, and leaving him frustrated. Uh, same with um, um, Griezmann. I think France are going to have a tough time breaking the squad down. And then once again, you know, you've got the big man Cavani, you've got the you know, lightning bolt Suarez back there. They they seem to not just Cavani. I think they we've seen a better partnership from them in this tournament. Yeah, than I think we've seen from them on major tournament stages before. I think they it's like it's finally clicked. Mm-hmm. They've played together so much they're finally understanding what one does and the other does. So um, you know that that's scary because once again Uruguay usually can get by with one one goal if you give them two goals. Man, mm-hmm. they're they're sitting pretty. They're high on the hog. Uh, and I just, uh, we predicted it three weeks ago before the tournament started. I'll, I'll stick with it. I think Uruguay are going to knock France out. I, I agree. Again, France does have the firepower, unlike Portugal, uh, to, to go up against Uruguay. Um, but as you said, it, it's it's not a great matchup for them. It, it's weird. 
Um, they could, as we've mentioned, potentially face Brazil in a semifinal. They might match up better with Brazil than Uruguay, even though Brazil is a vastly better team uh, in, in a lot of ways. So um, very, very interesting setup there. But we will get to Brazil in a little bit. Uh, first, let's head to the games on July 1st uh, and start with the the first big upset. And really, I guess, the only true upset. Um, well, maybe, maybe one of two upsets. Um, but certainly the biggest uh, going into the round of 16. Spain, Russia in Moscow. Big crowd. Um, and, and just a terrible start, though, for the Russians. Uh, Ignashevich uh, with the own goal. Give Spain a 1-1 lead. Um, but Gerard Piquet uh, sort of loses his mind in the 40th minute, throws up his hands while trying to defend a cross, and, uh, and the ball, a header, glances off his arm, uh, points to the spot, does uh, Bjorn Kuipers, uh, our great ne- uh, Dutch referee, and uh, for Russia, uh, Artyom Zubia, who has been very big for Russia this entire tournament, slots on the 41st-minute penalty. And then Russia, for about the next, let's call it, 90 minutes, played incredibly cynical, shitty football that got them to penalties. So good on you guys. Um and in that one, uh, Koke, who uh, who had a few chances in regulation to potentially win it for Spain, he missed a penalty. And then after Russia made all four theirs, Iago Aspas came on for Spain and uh, and was not able to convert as well. Russia goes through 4-3 on penalties. Um, and Wes, I did say this was an upset, but Spain hadn't been playing that good. I still think, and you know, Russia is not a very good team, and they kind of showed that after one-one with how they had to play just to get it to penalties over the next ninety minutes. But as as cynical and as much as I hated how they were playing, Spain never really was able to break them down, and it was one of those things that kind of reminded me of. A lot of what we talked about in this year's Champions League when Barcelona went to Roma in the second leg of their match. And that's a lot how it looked like. Now, Roma scored three goals in that match. So it wasn't completely like that. But Spain played a lot at 1-1 how Barcelona did against Roma in that match where they there was no real sense of urgency. And, and they still kind of did the whole... One million passes, I think. I think with about five minutes to go, they were on the verge of eclipsing a thousand passes completed, which is kind of nuts, even for a game that goes to extra time. But just so poor in the final third were Spain. And and while I don't like how Russia got to penalties, it's hard for me to say, though, that they were not deserving of going through. Well, the thing about Spain is Spain passed side to side and mm-hmm. backwards all day. Yeah. Spain never attacked a goal. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing, you know, Spain never looked comfortable in this tournament. Mm-hmm. I know we keep bringing up the manager situation. Love, love the it's a big deal. Um, it was. Because 
because I think he had an idea of what he was going to do. The thing was, this was a Spanish team that had nine outfield players who were prepared to play the short passing game. Mm-hmm. And then they had Diego Costa. <laughs> and that's, that is not a shot one bit at Diego Costa. No, no, it's really not. Or the other nine players. It's just that Diego Costa is a very direct... I mean, this is, this is why the guy is perfect in England and for Atletico Madrid. Um, because they play that direct physical style where they get the ball into him. And it's, it's all about, well, hey, let's give Diego opportunities at the box. That is not how this Spanish team was built at all. This is a Spain team that was basically built to play the false nine. Yeah. Kind of like they did when they won their World Cup in 2010. You know, they did it with a false nine. They didn't do it with a traditional center forward. They passed, they moved, they passed, they moved. Well, the problem is, here they had all the pass and they had all the possession in the world, but they had no end product because they had no one to get it to. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the goals Costa did score in this tournament, which were the majority of Spain's goals. I mean, none of them were really on plays or moves. They were all off rebounds or they were kind of garbage goals. Mm Mm-hmm. And once again, that's to take nothing away from Costa because you know what? The guy is amazing at doing that stuff. Yeah. He's amazing when you put the ball up to him and he can go and fight somebody for the ball and he can get and he can fight with the ball in the box. But when you don't get him the ball in the box, what what good is he? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was it was painful to watch because I mean, this was a Spanish team that just they had no answer to any question really in this tournament. Yeah. Um, and then De Gea. Jesus Christ, I cannot figure out what happened to De Gea. De Gea so one bad. save in this tournament. One freaking save. Every other shot on goal went in. He, I think he faced six shots on goal and five of them went in. Yes. Um, and this is the guy who basically, you know, carried Manchester United for the last four years. Yeah. You know, I, I call him without hesitation the best goalkeeper in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, he might still be for United. He was shit in this tournament. Yeah. God, I mean, I think sometimes Spain was going, oh, can we get that carious guy? <laughs> uh, but, you know, he was poor. Um, I, I want to say, who, who conceded the goal? Was it, was it, it wasn't Busquets, was it? The penalty? Yeah, the penalty. I'm no, sorry. I believe it was, I think it was PK. It was who? PK. Yeah, PK, PK. I get Busquets and PK in my head mixed up sometimes. It was PK. And it was one that PK never messes up that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's playing for Barcelona, it's like, oh, okay, I'll take care of this easily. I mean, it was a terrible screw-up. And it just it made no sense. But that was that was like the entire Spanish deal here was it made no sense. Yeah. Um, and deservedly, I mean, now Russia were nothing great. Russia are just riding this perfect wave of momentum. Mm-hmm. I think they're about to meet their match. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I think they're about to meet their match, but hell, at this point, yeah. at this point, why should I, you know, uh, expect anything different? But I mean, Russia wasn't great, but they got their goal and they said, "Hey, we're going to penalties." And whatever you want to do, you know, you can throw whatever you want at us. We're not letting you score. And that was it. And then Spain kind of shit the bed in the penalty shootout. Yeah. And um, a very, very disappointing tournament for the Spanish, considering that three days before the tournament started, they were pretty much like the second or third favorite to win it. Oh, yeah. And it looked 
good tournament. Mm-hmm. And let's so, uh, and and I think one of the crazy things is, you know, this is, you know, this this was not you know as you say this was. This was one of the top three teams projected to win this tournament going in before the whole coaching change happened. This is now back-to-back World Cups where Spain have looked figured out. Um, they they were they were very poor in Brazil, and and that's true. But let's let's be let's be uh, frank here for a second. They weren't that good in the group stage here either. Like they won the group, but they they draw three three with Portugal, giving up two horrendous goals in the process. They they barely beat Iran one nil, and then need a ninety first minute equalizer against Morocco. Like, so so this was again this was this has been now back to back tournaments, um, and and I'm I'm forgetting right now how they did in in Euro twenty sixteen. I don't believe it was that good either. Um, I I could be wrong here, and somebody might blow up my spot in a second. Um, but I I don't think it was that good either. So this this is a Spanish side that might have to do a little reinventing. Um, not not that they. It's tough to say completely change how you've been playing in a way that won you the twenty ten World Cup and I believe won them the twenty. 12 or 20 or 2008 Euro tournament. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they won three straight major tournaments. And by the way, yeah. um, in Euro 2016, they went out in the round of 16. Spain beat them, or Italy beat them 2 0. There you go. So, so, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, they, they've been poor. And really, Spain, Spain suffered a little bit what Germany did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, they've got a lot of guys who've been there for a long time. And I just, I think this was kind of the end of an era for Spain. Now, Spain were already kind of in a halfway, halfway deal Mm -hmm. where they had already had to replace some guys. But now, obviously, there's more coming. Um, Iniesta announced his international retirement, which we all knew was coming anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I think think for Spain, it's about time to start, you know, moving on from the uh, Busquets, PK, you know, that group. It, it might be time to start making some moves there. Uh, maybe moving out some of that Barcelona contingent. Um, you know, as, as vile a human being as he is, uh, Ramos. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Ramos is not a young man. He's in his 30s. You know, you, you've got Busquets. Busquets is 29. So, I mean, he, he's not the oldest of the old. Um, PK is... Uh, PK is... Uh, PK's 31, mm-hmm. and Ramos is, I believe Ramos is older than both of them. I think Ramos is 32. Uh, Ramos is 32. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at guys that in four years, Ramos is going to be 36. You know, PK's going to be 35. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Busquets is going to be 34, mm-hmm. or 33, 34 for the next World Cup. Uh, you, you know, and that, that's, kind of, that's kind of the big group toward the back for them. I think, I think it's it's just time to start having a change in the regard for this Spanish team. Hey. And they they really need to figure out this managerial situation as well going forward. Um, so I'm just going really quickly through their starting lineup uh, for this match against Russia. Uh-huh. Um, as far as I can tell, 
I believe there are either one or two. I may, I may be I may have been wrong here, but there is either one or two players who will be under thirty by the next World Cup that start that were in this starting eleven. So yeah. all of them might be gone. Uh, let me look. Uh, it's not you. Is it you, Marco Asensio? Uh, uh, Asensio's only twenty-two. Yeah, Ishko might be, depending on when his birthday I'm is. Ishko's like twenty-six. Yeah, so I'm he, looking him up, but I believe he's twenty-six. Uh, and Koke is also twenty-six. Everyone else yeah. will be they're over both, thirty. They're both going to be thirty for the next one, then. So. Yeah, and thirty's not a bad age, but you know, uh, I mean, Jordi Alba is twenty-nine. Yeah, it's it's just. You know, Costa, obviously, unless you want to build your next run around Costa. Who's 29 now. Yeah, who's 29, exactly. I mean, unless you want to build around that, which I don't know why you would. You know, that's the thing for them. It's going to be an extremely important managerial hire. um, Because I think Spanish football needs a new identity. Yeah. You know, Tiki Taka's dead. It just, it just is. It, it died with Xavi. In, in a world, in a in a, a international competition, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, people have figured it out. Um, what made them so special playing Tiki Taka was um, Xavi Hernandez and um, uh, Jesus God. Iniesta. Iniesta. Yeah, uh, those two together made Tiki Taka. It was perfect for them because they were so damn good at it. Xavi's gone. Iniesta's gone. It's time. It's time for a fresh idea. Um, and here's the thing: I mean, you look at when you look at the rest of that Spanish roster. You start with Avencia, Asensio. You start with Lucas Vasquez. Mm-hmm. Buddy, they are talented. Yes, yes. They are extremely talented. I mean, Liverpool have reportedly offered um, basically Coutinho money for Asensio, <laughs> and are getting told hell no. <laughs> um, absolutely not. <laughs> So, I mean, that shows you how much Madrid value Asensio. Uh, Lucas Vasquez is on top of everybody's radar at this point. Um, there's just, I mean, they've got so much good young talent. To me, it's time to take a few lumps, maybe leading up to the next World Cup. Get that group in, get your coach, get a style of play. And, uh, you know, I think you, you know, I don't think you just wholesale start chopping guys. Mm-hmm. But you've got to start moving guys out and moving new guys in. Certainly. Spain in desperate need of a youth movement. Kind of like, um, I mean, a lot like Germany. They're just, they're in need of fresh blood and some fresh ideas. Hey, I 100% agree with you. Um, real quick, uh, just to go, at, we're, we are going to go on to the next match. Uh, real quick on that, uh, back to that France-Uruguay uh, match. Uh, there will be a key miss for France there. Blasma Tweedy uh, will actually miss it through uh, yellow card accumulation. Uh, that's that's one of the big ones. There's also going to be a big one in the uh, the Brazil uh, Belgium match, but we'll get to that later. Um, the other one though that took place on July first um, also went to penalties. Also finished one one, um, and I think after about five minutes, we thought maybe it would be more than one one. Um, uh, Croatia versus Denmark. One minute in, 
Matthias Jorgensen in a scuffle in the box just kind of toe pokes one in to give Denmark a super early lead. Shades of the United States versus Ghana four years ago in Brazil uh, with Clint Dempsey scoring within 30 seconds. I mean, this was unbelievable start for Denmark. Um, but just three minutes later, Mario Madzukic would equalize for Croatia uh, on a on a rebound that he was able to put in, kind of knocked it right into the ground and got it past Kasper Schmeichel. Um, but Schmeichel would have a phenomenal game the rest of the way. Uh, kept Denmark in it, got it to extra time, and then in about the 115th minute uh, was able to deny Luka Modric of a penalty uh, when he was clear through on goal, um, got got pulled down, uh, steps up to take the... It was, um, it was, um, oh, crap, which one was it? It wasn't Modric who was through on goal, it was uh, Rebic. Yes, yes, you're right. Rebic, who had the goal in the group stage, mm-hmm. had a big goal for him. Um, yeah, it was just one of those denied the clear goals. I was shocked we didn't see a red card there personally. It, it did really look like it. Um, and, and some people were very surprised that it wasn't. It was only a yellow card given uh, from Nestor Pitana, the Argentine referee, um, even after VAR. But uh, the penalty did go through. Uh, but again, Schmeichel saves the Modric take. Uh, it goes on from there. End of extra time. And then the penalties happen. And PKs would basically be the same thing. I mean, just some of a combination of some of the worst attempts at penalties and some of the best goalkeeping I think we've ever seen in a World Cup uh, playoff or sorry, World Cup shootout um, for Croatia. Daniel Subasic, the first man to stop three penalties in one shootout at a World Cup. And he needed every single one of them. Schmeichel almost up to the task himself but could only save two. Croatia goes through 3-2 on penalties. And, Wes, this was a team that, you know, we talked about last week, was maybe who we thought was the best team so far here at the World Cup. They had to give everything they had in more against Denmark, who, to their credit, when it was 1-1, they didn't, they didn't bunker like Russia did. They actually still tried to win the game. Um, just unfortunately... Both teams were. Yeah, and and that was it was a great game to watch. Um, again, Croatia had their chance in extra time, but Modric was unable to take it. Still, Croatia does go through um, to the round of eight. And West, does this does this change anything in your mind about Croatia standing? They had such a great group stage, um, and then a very tough game against a Danish side that we didn't think would give them too much trouble. No, it doesn't change anything. Okay. Part of it's because of what the rest of the group looks like right Fair. now. Fair. That's true. Yes. Yes. Um, no, I thought it was um, really, I thought this match came down to, I thought it was two of the best goalkeeping performances yes. I've ever seen in a World Cup. Oh, my God. Yes. Especially both guys giving up those early goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're still thinking, oh, God, it's going to be a shootout. No, Schmeichel and mm-hmm. Zubasic, I mean, they were standing, you know, to borrow a term from hockey. <laughs> they stood on their heads. Yes, they did. Um, Supercich made some spectacular saves, and Schmeichel to 
you stop that Modric penalty. I mean, that was absolutely insane. Yeah. And then to go into the, you know, to go into the shootout, and then it wasn't like guys were just skying the ball over. No. no. They were getting good shots, and they were just saving them. Mm-hmm. Um, Modric, I think you've got to give Modric every piece of shred of credit in yes. the world. Coming right back in the penalty shootout with it's so fresh in his mind, oh shit, he just stopped me. And then beating uh, Schmeichel. That mm-hmm. was huge. Uh, but Casper Schmeichel, I mean, he, that was one of the best, that was one of the best goalkeeping performances. I mean, yeah, you can throw the Tim Howard up there definitely. Mm-hmm. But at, at this point of the tournament where you're in extra time, round of 16, looking at your group going, shit, all we got to do is get out of here and who knows what can happen. Yeah. For those two guys to do what they did was absolutely incredible. I thought it was a fantastic match. Um, I think uh, I think Croatia can actually take this as one of those. You know, we talked about England mm-hmm. when they got the late winner. That seems to have obviously given them <laughs> confidence going forward. Uh, I think that could be the same thing for Croatia. That you know what? It's it's hard. It's dirty. It's tough. You know, and now we know we can. We're not just going to cruise through this. We've got to come out here and be ready for anything. Sure. And I think it could actually, um, you know, it could it could make them an even tougher uh, team to play going forward. Well, potentially, especially with with Russia next, and that will be the quarterfinal uh, on July seventh in Sochi, um, and, and Russia, kind of like Denmark, not the most talented team in the world. Um, so maybe this was a bit of a wake-up call for Croatia that they will now not take Russia lightly, especially after they, they got past Spain. Um, so I, I think this, as you said, this might help Croatia a lot. And at this point, I mean, Croatia is now a very winnable match away from a semifinal berth. I mean, this, this is a team that is definitely on the right side of the bracket to be on. Uh, and I... I I still will agree. I, I, I've moved them down from number one uh, as of right now in my remaining top eight rankings. Yeah. Uh, they're number two. They are absolutely still number two with a bullet for me. So I think that this is a very, very good team still going forward. And I think right now, especially on their side of the knockout bracket, out of those four teams, I mean, they're definitely – they've definitely shown to be the strongest team so far. Yes. Uh, I mean, as, as much as we'll talk about England, don't worry, we're going to talk about England. Um, but uh, I mean, if you start matching them up, I think Croatia can can run England. Um, and I, I think you know, just talking about this Russia match coming up, I, I think they're just, they're better than Russia. I they mean, are. we know they're better than Russia. Now, now the thing is for Russia is you know I think we said oh well Spain's better than Russia. <laughs> By the way, it ended up I don't know how much better Spain, Spain was better on paper than Russia. <laughs> yeah. You know, Spain was a damn, Spain turned into a damn grease fire in this tournament. So, um, you know, just looking at that is what it is. Uh, but Russia, they've, they've got the momentum, they've got the belief, and they've got the crowd. Mm-hmm. They do. And that's the thing. Um, they, you know, they, they, being the host nation, you get that boost from the crowd. Um, and Russia's definitely got that going for them. Croatia are going to have their hands full. They know it. Um, but, you know, also, you know, we love bringing up the geopolitics of the World Cup. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is one of those old ones. You know, Croatia was part of the old Yugoslavia, part of the Soviet Union. Um, so, you know, this is kind of 
this is kind of their chance to, uh, you know, hey, we're we're playing we're playing Big Brother. Mm-hmm. We're playing him on his own turf. We know we're better than him. We're going to punch him in the mouth. Hey, it's it's going to be a feisty one uh, over in Sochi this uh, yeah. this Saturday. It's going to be, be awesome. a whole oh, sorry awesome, Sunday. A lot a lot a lot of fun. Um, moving on now to our next match. These ones took place on July second. Um, Brazil does get by Mexico 2-0. Uh, Neymar tumbled his way, just like Vane in League of Legends, uh, to a 51st-minute goal. Uh, just a great uh, pass into the box, uh, I believe, from Willian, uh, that he was just able to slot home. And then similarly, in the 88th minute, uh, Bobby Firmino able to do the same thing um, to put the game well and truly out of reach. Uh, Mexico, not a big fan of apparently some of the Brazilian samba in across the turf, as as we'll call it. Um, although I also believe that Mexico should have probably played the last roughly half hour with ten men, and were were, were very very fortunate uh, to not see um, who was it. It was, um, um, it was Herrera, wasn't it? Uh, no, I didn't think it was Herrera. Or was it Guardado? Um, I don't remember at this point. Uh, I think it was Mexico. Oh, okay. Um, I want to say it was, oh, maybe it was uh, Gallardo. It actually might have been Gallardo. Um, either way, um, just a, a bit of a stamp on Neymar's ankle after he was already on the ground. Um, and look, we can we can debate Neymar until we're blue in the face. We've done it. We, we've done it on this podcast in recent weeks and with his play style. Obviously, his his ability to go down very easily is, is a, also been a major talking point. Um, no matter how many times the guy goes down, that doesn't give you the right to step on him. Like it just it just doesn't. It should have been a red card, and and he should have been sent off. Um, otherwise, though, Wes, um, Brazil gets through Mexico. Uh, the Mexican collapse is complete. And I will say this uh, for Brazil at least: the biggest thing I've been impressed with so far is their defense. Um, we knew it would be good. It's been, I think, very, very, very good this tournament and it's the reason why i now think they're the best team here so far uh as as we've hit the round of eight i have them just above croatia i think they're starting to click i think they're starting to come together and i think they should now be the the and i they are the odds on favorites to win this world cup just again very impressed though with their defensive capabilities so far through four matches Absolutely. Um, they were, I mean, they were our pick to win it. Yes. Um, I think we argued a little bit. I, I was kind of on Brazil. I was on the bandwagon from the beginning. Yes. Um, obviously, I'm on the England one now, but Jesus. <laughs> God. Um, and Brazil were good. I mean, Brazil did everything they needed to win. Mm-hmm. Um, Neymar is just. God. I, I mean, it's, it, it's like he missed the entire spring. Yeah. So he's like, I've got to make up for what everyone's missed. <laughs> I've got to get all my flopping in. I mean, the guy looks like a damn fish on the end of a line. Mm-hmm. And, and it's ridiculous. It's borderline ridiculous. It, it slows. 
you know, I think it, it actually hurts Brazil some. Yeah. Because it slows the flow of what they can do. You know, they'll get things going, and the next thing you know, here's Neymar screaming like a sniper's hit him. And, and all it is is just, you know, somebody accidentally clicked his heel. And he's got to scream like, you know, they've cut his damn right leg off. Oh, man. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, Brazil, they, they've got so many weapons. I mean, well, you can go to the bench and bring up Bobby Firmino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he just comes in and scores because he's Bobby Firmino. And, you know, I love him in his pearly whites. <laughs> um, I mean, Brazil are definitely, they're, they're definitely your favorite, especially with what's going on everywhere else. Yeah. They're definitely your favorite going in. I want to talk a little more about Mexico than Brazil. Go for it. This is kind of our swan song to Mexico at this point. Oh, Jesus. They went from the tournament darling. Yeah. They went from Juan Carlos Osorio being a genius to Juan Carlos Osorio. What the bleeding fuck are you thinking sometimes? Well, let's let's remember this. They beat Mexico 1-0. They go up 2-0 over South Korea. In the 93rd minute... Uh, Sonny scores for South Korea to make it 2-1. Starting with that goal, Mexico ended the tournament giving up six straight goals and with nothing in response. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Irving, the Chucky Lozano, uh, I mean, he's a, he is a really talented player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Carlos Vela, Gio Santos, the Santos Brothers. You know how much I love the Chicharito. <laughs> yes. um, I'm going to miss that more than anything. It's just a Mexican commentary. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with those attacking guys, they can do a lot of things. But, man, Osorio just does some weird shit in setting this team up sometimes. It's like, okay, everybody knows what our strengths are. So we're not going to do that. We're going to zig them and try something else. And by doing it, we're going to take away our biggest strength. Yeah. And that's kind of what Mexico did to themselves. Um, in this one, for whatever unbeknown to God reason, Osorio decides, I'm going to start Rafa Marquez. Even though all he's been doing is coming on for like the last 15 minutes of games. You're going to start him on a day where it's like 98 degrees, and I think he made it to halftime. Yeah. So you have to make a sub of a defender, and, and a defender, too, who is old and slow. And yes, Marquez is old. He's 39. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cool story. You know, he's played in four World Cups now. That's awesome. Um, and he has finally retired from international soccer. That has been confirmed. <laughs> um, but, you know, that was just one weird one. And the fact he never... I don't think either Dos Santos' brother ever played. Uh, uh, Gio might have. Uh, Jonathan did come in as a substitute uh, in the Brazil game. Okay. But that was it. You know, you got the Dos Santos brothers who can offer you something. You never use them. It was just... Man, it was a really strange, sudden decision-making from Juan Carlos Osorio who... Most likely is out of a job. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine uh, so. I mean, if something about Mexico, man, they found some damn characters to be the manager. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing about them, man. You know, they find these, and don't get me wrong, they find these talented managers. They're talented, but they're like loose cannons. Mm-hmm. And when everything
everything's going good. It's awesome. But as soon as someone has to make a tough decision, it's like, oh, <laughs> shit the bed. You know, I mean, they're basically, you know, they're thanking South Korea for them not blowing, being the first ever six-point team to not make it. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many little things that, yes, Mexico were the darlings, and, and it was because they beat Germany, which we later saw. I mean, yeah, that was great, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't quite the result it looked to be at first. Um, just kind of a, a, you know, Dennis Hopper said in Apocalypse Now, he said, you know, the, the world's not going to end with a bang, it's going to end with a whimper. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how this went. Was it started with a bang and then just kind of petered out for Mexico? Yeah. And another disappointing tournament for him. Even though now here's here's another thing: Mexico seven straight tournaments now they've made it to the round of sixteen. <laughs> I don't believe anyone else. Maybe Brazil is the only other team that can claim that. Uh, considering Germany didn't make it, I bl- I believe Germany right. would have been able to, but yeah, yeah. The Ger- Germany was there and then they're out. So you know now. Yeah. It's Brazil. Yeah, those are the two longest-running ones that have made it. And we also consider the fact that Mexico aren't as talented as these other teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's, that's another big thing here. They're not as good as Brazil. We always knew they weren't as good as Brazil. Yeah. But Mexico have this media and this fan base that when something goes good for them, they build their guys up into, like, demigods. Mm-hmm. And they expect these huge things. I mean, there are Mexican fans who are furiously pissed that they didn't beat Brazil. <laughs> and it's like, okay, look, this is like the fifth or sixth time you've played Brazil, and you still haven't scored on them. <laughs> you know, much less beat them. So I think that's another thing, is that there, there are a lot of uh, expectations for Mexico that I think are unfair. Mm-hmm. And it, sometimes it just it kind of puts a dark cloud over what really, I mean, I thought was a positive tournament for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, the, for a week there, they were the darlings of world football after beating Germany and uh, South Korea. So, you know what, take that. And another thing going forward for Mexico is <laughs> this, this word, you know, whenever someone says they have a golden generation, you ever notice how that team always sucks? Yeah. <laughs> Such a backhanded it's compliment. A golden generation for Mexico that's pretty much kind of hit the end now. Yeah. Uh, they've got a lot of guys in their late 20s, early 30s. They're going to have to start rebuilding. It's going to be around Chucky Lozano, who will be 26 at the next World Cup. So he's he hasn't even really entered his prime yet. Uh, he's, he, he's connected with a lot of English teams right now, uh, as well as being connected with Barcelona. We'll see if he moves or maybe sticks around another year in Holland. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they do have a really good talent to build around. Once again, kind of what we said earlier about Spain, I think also goes to Mexico. Who's going to be your next hire? Yeah. Because that's going to be important. It's going to be really important over who the next hire is to see where this, to see where this group goes from here. But, you know, a guy like Ochoa, uh, Guillermo Ochoa had a magnificent tournament. Yeah. I think he had nearly 40 saves in the tournament. Yeah, he was really good. I mean, it was insane the number of saves he came up with. He was phenomenal. And he kept Mexico in it as best he could. Uh, it's just at the end of the day, they just, I mean, they're not Brazil. Yeah. Sorry. Few teams Sorry. are. I mean, if they had lost out to, say, Japan or, uh, you know, say, Denmark, I'm just throwing a couple teams mm-hmm. out there who were eliminated. 
if they had lost to those teams, I could understand being a little more pissed. But the thing is, sometimes you just hit Big Daddy. Yeah. And you're not beating Big Daddy. <laughs> um, I will say, though, you know, you, you mentioned um, all of those trips to the round of 16. Um, I think every one of those seven, or maybe the last six, they've all ended in the round of 16. They have, I think it's all seven of it around yeah. 16. I don't think they've ever been past around of 16. So, so I'm sure that is a little bit of the issue there. Yeah. Is, yeah, that, is that they can't advance, but like you said, like nobody should have reasonably expected them to beat Brazil. That's, exactly. that's insane. Um, <laughs> it was just the wrong one. It was just the wrong damn team. Yeah. Um, but maybe... But, but that said, they put themselves in that position with yes. their, uh, with their insipid display in the third match. They could have come to the easy side of the bracket, but no, absolutely. they tried no, to take that. Absolutely, that's spot on. So. Um, but the team that maybe could beat Brazil, we'll see. Uh, although they could barely get by Japan. Wes, with, with with 30 minutes to play in Belgium versus Japan, we were texting back and forth. Which which golden generation, back, getting back to that, was worse? England or Belgium? How bad is this team? This team is terrible. They were down 2-0 to Japan after they had struck twice in four minutes just a little bit after the uh, halftime restart. And you're like, oh, God, this is terrible. They're the worst. Spanish Bob, he doesn't know what he's doing. Rah. And oh, you, yeah, then I, I have something to mention about that later. Um, and then all of a sudden, Vertong, Jan Vertongen kind of what's a what's a chass from the head? A chasser? Sure. I'm trying to say it in Flemish. Yeah, there you go. It sounds Flemish. Um, puts one back for Belgium. You're like, oh, okay. And then, which nobody can prove I was wrong. Marwan Fellaini came on, and I texted you that that was the right move. I you can't prove I was being sarcastic. Yeah, um, it was over text message, so no one really knows the content. There you go. I didn't put an emoticon. I, mean, I know your normal feelings on Fellaini. So I know what <laughs> I, I know how I took it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but Marwan Fellaini comes on and uses that big throw of his to put Belgium level at two two with seventy four minutes to go, and then you're thinking they keep going, they keep going, and you're thinking ninety three minutes. 30 seconds to play. Okay, 2-2. We're going again to extra time in another match in this knockout round. And then I've brought the United States once before. Um, My mind immediately goes back to 2010 when they played um, Algeria in their final match of the group stage when it goes Howard quickly upfield to somehow get a goal and everybody's rushing forward and it ends with Landon Donovan putting in a rebound. That's basically what Belgium just did to destroy Japanese hearts. Uh, the Dolphin himself, Nasser Chadley, ends the buildup with the last kick of the game to put Belgium through 3-2, where they will have a quarterfinal date with Brazil. And Wes, this was a team that sort of kind of coasted through the group stage. And we've talked a lot about, you know, for Croatia and England about how matches can, you know, sort of galvanize you and give you that mental edge. This is a Belgium team that has been disappointing in their last two major tournaments with where they've gone out. This was a huge mental game for them that they came back from down 2-0 with about 20 minutes to play. I, I, 
I, as much crap as we've given Belgium and as much crap as we were giving them during that game, that was one hell of a comeback. It was. I mean, everything just came together for them, and, and they rolled them. Um, uh, and, and that's the thing. Everything came together. Part of that, too, though, is, you know, Japan, and we talked about this earlier because Japan, and, uh, you know, the, the fact that they didn't win their group. Mm-hmm is because Japan got very conservative and sat back. Yep. And that's exactly what happened here. Up 2-0, you know, yeah, I guess you feel your best option is to, you know, go and defend. But that's exactly what happened, is they got just too complacent. Excuse me. Woo, a long day. <laughs> uh, they got too complacent, and then Belgium just... It clicked. They found space. They turned it on. And Belgium are an extremely explosive group. We've known that. Mm-hmm. There's zero denying that. Belgium are very explosive. And it finally came together. And they found the back of the net. And uh, right there at the end of the match, they were just they were able to find a winner. Um, and it, it is it's huge for Belgium. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about winning matches late. That it kind of gives you that little mental extra. Uh, but I just I hate the fact that Belgium basically took the first seventy minutes off. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. Which is kind of also what they did against Panama in game when they took about the first half off and then scored three goals in the second half to get past them. Yep. So I mean that's exactly it. Um, I am gonna say a a tweet and I I wish I could call him good friend of the pod and that he was actually like my friend even though he's liked and retweeted quite a few of my tweets. We're not actually friends. I wish we were. Um, but uh, one at Tom Edwards. Um, Tom Edwards, who used to work, I believe, for the Telegram. Um, oh, yeah, Yes. He used to work at the Telegraph. He's now the digital director at Marlin PR. Uh, used to do a bunch of soccer stuff. Um, made, put out a tweet uh, after the Fellaini goal said, uh, makes you wonder why Belgium didn't just do cross it to the tall lads tactics from the beginning. And uh, my immediate response to him was, I'll give you a hint. It starts with an R and ends with Alberto Martinez. And and, and, and that's, that's obviously, yeah, joke, 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 joke. But in a lot of ways, that's kind of the answer. Like, like Belgium, they were trying to play one style and Martinez almost waited too late to change it up and try something else that, cause their initial way of playing clearly was not working against that very well organized Japanese defense, but Hey, put some big guys in there, put, get, put another tall guy in there with Lukaku and then just let him jump out, jump people. And eh, it's it's kind of bonkers, you know. We we just talked about uh, the Mexican coach making some weird decisions. Martinez kind of got away with one in this game. He did, um, and you know, Martinez has the thing is now that's a lot of just a Martinez thing. Managers are struggling with the way they want to play. True. Trust me, I live with Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. <laughs> you know, plan Plan B is to keep doing Plan A. Um, and for him, and you know, the 
thing is, you you hate to abandon plan A because you don't want to be seen. You know, if if he had gone 15 minutes earlier to Fellaini and they end up losing, everybody's like, abandon what you were doing. It's one of those, you're damned if you... Here's the deal. Here's the deal being a manager. The only time you do shit right is when you win. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> any, any other time, nobody gives a shit. They're going to criticize you one way or the other. You know, oh, you, you, you waited. You did it too early. Oh, you waited too late. Oh, you didn't make the change. Oh, you should have made a change. Um, you know, the, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is that you win. And for Mark, Martinez, much like many other managers... They, especially if they like what they're seeing from their team, even if something's happening, they don't want to go away from it. It's one of those, oh, well, I think if we keep doing this, something will happen. Something mm-hmm. will happen. But then eventually you get to that point, it's like, shit, you know, break, in case of, you know, break glass in case of fire. <laughs> and um, I, I think that's where it had finally gotten to, where he finally saw, damn it, this isn't working. I've got to do something different. And, you know, you go to the big man. Yeah. But that said, I, I don't know if I would come out and play Fellini from the beginning against uh, Brazil. I mean, no. we, we see Fellini. We know Fellini's shortcomings. Mm-hmm. It's just when somebody throws a ball in the box and he gets a head on it, man, Fellini's always oh, really good. Mm-hmm. And then you watch him play for the next three months, you're like, this guy's shit. <laughs> so, you know, we, we don't need to have, like, Fellini's the be-all, end-all. It just so happened he got a ball on his head. Mm-hmm. That's what he's good at is hitting the ball. And, they, and and it was it was a big goal for him. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Also, um, I, I would say that one thing I'd be very worried about as we start looking ahead towards their matchup with Brazil, um, that defense got run a little ragged, especially that back three of Alderweireld, Vertonghen, and company, company especially. Um, I would be quite concerned. Because uh, with all with all due respect to um, Yuya Hosako and Shinji Kagawa, they are not Neymar and Coutinho and Gabriel Jesus, and I I would be very nervous if I was Belgium going up against Brazil, if that's the kind of defense that comes out against them in that match. They're gonna rip them apart. I mean, I think they're gonna rip that defense apart. I mean, I'm, back threes, I have issues with back threes, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as we love on some company, I mean, with that back three of Vertonghen and company, you're not exactly sitting on a lot of pace out there. Yeah. And now you're about to catch Neymar, Coutinho, Jesus, maybe Firmino, mm-hmm. <laughs> William. You're about to catch it right in your grill. And and we know one thing about Martin is we know he's too damn stubborn to change up a lot of things until he has to. And I think it could I think it could be a case of too little too late against Brazil. Mm-hmm. Because there ain't gonna be no down two nil <laughs> and bring it on Fellaini to score three times in the last twenty minutes. Because <laughs> Brazil ain't gonna sit back and wait for you. No, not at all. Yeah, you, know, you wanna do that, Brazil's gonna nail you on a counter somewhere. <laughs> as, so, uh, just as they did against Mexico, yeah. Yes, as they did. So I mean, it's you know, Martinez is going to have to. He's going to have to get his tactic right from the beginning if he wants a chance to win this match. Absolutely, there there is no room for error against Brazil as they as they go into that quarterfinal. That will be on July sixth in Kazan. 
uh, same day as Uruguay, France. Um, all right, so for our final two uh, knockout stage round of 16 matches, one we can go through pretty quickly. The other one, probably not so much. Uh, um, so let's get to the quick one. First game of today, July 3rd, uh, Sweden, somewhat surprisingly, um, as you said last week, uh, the the Zlatan theory coming into effect now. Sweden gets by Switzerland 1-0 uh, on an Emil Forsberg deflected goal. Um, Sweden resolute in defense and, and just able to really keep Switzerland off the board, kept Shakiri at bay for most of the match. And, and Wes, you know, again, we've talked about the mental game a lot in, in this World Cup and how things have gone. I mentioned this last week, and again, all credit into the world to the Swedens, to the, to the Swedens, to the, the Swedish, the Swedish, um, to, to lose the way they did against Germany, to come back just a few days later, destroy Mexico, and then come out in a game that you were not the favorites in and beat Switzerland 1-0. That's, again, super impressive by them. I've... I'm I'm not sold on this team being that good. I am sold on them being mentally tough and and just finding ways to win. And as as we will get through uh, as we talk about the uh, the England match in a little bit, I think they can give England a game. Again, not they're not super talented, but there's no give up in these guys and just again, from the mental aspect, I've been super impressed by them this tournament. Uh, very much. I mean, they're they are a very um, God. I don't want to say drab. No, <laughs> that's not what I mean when I say it. But I mean, this is not a team that's driven by star players. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you got Emil Forsberg. Um, you've got my favorite name to say in the tournament, Toivinen. <laughs> Love saying Toivinen. Toivinen. Mm. Um, but Toivinen play for Sweden. Yes. No, he did. You're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, good, good, good. I was right there again. Um, I mean, other than that, I can't really name you many Swedish players here. Uh, Victor Lindelof uh, from, yeah, from United. Yeah, they've got, they've got yeah. a few, but like I said, no real superstars. No, no. You know, um, no, no guys who you just see them and you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Um, but yet they find a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. They're very... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they're they're very well coached. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the words you use when you they're resolute. <laughs> they're resolute. That's right. They're uh, all these things you want to say when the team isn't actually that good, but they win. Exactly. exactly. You know, they're well put together. <laughs> there you go. All those uh, words we used about the 2000 Ravens, if the Ravens weren't good at defense. Damn it, they had Ramblin. This was the baddest motherfucker on earth. And had a true body count. So. Um, <laughs> and allegedly. Uh, allegedly. That's right. I'm a Ramblin. I'm the biggest Ramblin's fan, you know. So, you know I always apologize for Ray. Um, but uh, that said, I just I do think this is still a very limited team. Yes, certainly. Um, they don't have a guy who they can really count on to score a goal. They've just. They they've been fortunate that somebody's been able to find one. Mm-hmm. Again, not that, not a clean goal against Switzerland, certainly. No, no. But I mean, that's it. That's you know, sometimes that's what teams like that need. You know, mm-hmm. you need that bit of luck. 
Uh, you need that bit of, uh, you know, that desire to show through. And, you know, one thing, I'll give you, I'll give you another one. You know, Sweden, they love playing for the shirt. Yeah. You know, they're, they are, they are, res- they, as you said, they are resolute. They are, uh, they're very spirited. <laughs> um, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the upcoming match, but, I mean, it's, it's not going to be an easy quarterfinal. No. England. No. Um, you know, Sweden used to kind of be England's bogey team. Yeah, lost two I straight, I think. I think England have actually got them three in the last four. Uh-huh. But uh, for a long time there, Sweden really had England's number. Mm-hmm. So it was always, well, oh, we're playing Sweden. Damn it. <laughs> what the hell? How did we lose to these guys? Um, but, I mean, give Sweden all the credit in the world because I think a lot of people thought we were going to be Switzerland in yeah. the next round. Um, yeah, big ups to Sweden. They got it done, and you know they—they, they, as we said, they kicked the shit out of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So we know things can happen, but they're—they're um, they're riding a wave right now, and they're—they're just—they're in a good spot, and they're a win away from a semifinal. Shocking as that is, as the Zlatan Ewing theory is getting that much closer to coming true. And just real quick, another running theme in in, in the way things have gone. What side you are in the bracket? Sweden could have played Brazil, yeah. and instead they got Switzerland. So, exactly. you know, but Switzerland drew Brazil, so it's fine. Um, it's basically the same thing. Um, all right, enough enough about that match, though. Um, let let's let's get to it. We're I, we're still buzzing ish, I guess. Um, I'm actually watching the replay right now on FS2. We just started the second uh, extra time period. So. Oh boy. I might vomit in a few minutes just having to read. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Or do. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Great podcast. Yeah, good visual. Um, Columbia, England, 1-1. Captain Kane earns a penalty by being absolutely hog-tied or hog-wrestled to the ground, I guess we'll call it, um, in the 56th minute. To earn a penalty for England. Thank God they're calling that at this World Cup. Because this has just been stupid. Um, uh, Kane earns the penalty. Steps up. As they said. Harry Kane from Tottenham. David Ospina from Arsenal. Kane coolly puts it right down the middle. Beats Ospina as he went to his right. And uh, and got England up 1-0. With about 30 minutes from the quarterfinals. Um, and it looked good. England, they were they were resolute in defense. Uh, they they were very strong, um, but just at the ninety third minute with and the five minutes of stoppage time, uh, Yerry Mina puts Colombia level off a set piece. Um, just manages to head it in. Trippier was on the near po- or on the far post trying to guard it, but he it just bounced kind of over his head and he wasn't able to get it. Neither was Pickford. Um, so 1-1, all the momentum with Colombia. The very pro-Colombia crowd is going nuts uh, over in Moscow. And everything looks like it's going against England. And, and then extra time happens and England's not really able to get much going. And Jamie Vardy's not having that big of an impact. And then the dreaded penalties come around. And so, Wes, I want to ask you three questions. One... And they're all percentages. How confident were you when England started penalties? 
How confident were you when Jordan Henderson missed his penalty? And how confident were you when Dyer won it with a penalty? Because in my mind, I feel like every English fan still would not be 100% sure they'd won even after Dyer scored the winner. Um, zero, zero, and one. <laughs> First English win ever. 0-3 all-time in the World Cup. We lost Euro 96 on, sh- on penalty shootouts. That was Gareth Southgate missing that one of all. Yes, they showed of that. Yeah. Yes, of course they, of course they showed that. <laughs> you know, and they, they get to flood all this shit in our heads. And No, there's no way we win the shootout. Um, and, and after Dyer hit his, I was still waiting for someone to say something like, you know, he took too long on his run-up or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting. I was still... It, it took me about 30 seconds of waiting for the shoe to drop. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I believe... I 100% believe you. This, this is just how I am with England at this point. You don't believe anything until they go to commercial or something. <laughs> um, you know, I was almost going to go to commercial and then come back. Oh, my God. While we were gone, uh, they decided we actually had another round that they forgot about. So. <laughs> Jesus. Um... No, and when Henderson misses, oh my god, I was devastated. All I could say when Henderson was up there was like, because once again, I, I didn't think we were going to win the shootout. I think we were going to lose the shootout. So I'm like, just don't let Jordan be the one. Don't let Jordan be the one. Don't let Jordan. Shit. Yeah. And then Jordan missed. I was like, motherfucker, I'm going to have to hear him talk about Jordan missing it. And now it's going to be on us. God dang it. The one damn Liverpool player who's playing, and now they're going to blame Liverpool for England. Like, so I was devastated when Henderson missed. Um, and then Homeboy stepped up and hit the woodwork, and I was like, God. I'm like, now they're just, now they're just doing this shit to piss us off. <laughs> just give you that little ray of hope. Yeah, exactly. It's like, thanks a lot, assholes. And then Jordan Pickford, who I have to ride at Jordan Pickford being too fucking short. Yes. You and Tibor Courtois, apparently. And he's got these little T-Rex arms. <laughs> And somehow, he got that T-Rex arm up and got hold of the neck. Yeah. And I still know I did. I did. literally had to like reach back to do it. I mean, it was it was an amazing save of a penalty. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wrong way to and then he's reaching back. Oh my god! It was just it, it was like it was like hell on earth as the ball was in the air. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then Dyer comes up. Oh my god! All he needs one. All he needs one. He's gonna kick this motherfucker into like the thirtieth <laughs> round. Because to it's Eric Dyer, who you know, has not exactly been convincing this season. No. Didn't have a great season for Spurs. Looked like shit against Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, of course it's fucking Dyer. I'm sitting here like, where's Jamie Vardy? Why isn't Vardy taking a penalty? You know, why isn't Lingard taking a penalty? Where's Rashford? You know, we, well, well, Rashford hit the second penalty. Oh, you're right. My bad. You're right. You're exactly yeah, yeah, right. Rashford, Rashford, Rashford actually, yeah, I figured Rashford was going to sky his somewhere. <laughs> so, uh... But I'm like, why the fuck is Eric Dyer up here? Damn it, we can win right now. Now we're going to fuck around and we're going to end up losing. I figured we are going to lose like nine rounds or something. <laughs> I think it was going to be one of those. So it could be extra heartbreaking. <laughs> oh, my God. And then Dyer's shot went in. And, and literally, I'm trying to watch it. Yeah, that's right. Very safe driver here. Yeah. You know, living and dying with England while I drive. That's great. <laughs> literally living and dying. Yes, literally living in that. I mean, I watched like the entire, um, like the last 20 minutes. 
which included the Yeri Mina header. I watched the entire overtime. Um, while they were while they were uh, playing the extra period, I was getting blood drawn. <laughs> <laughs> when he said make a fist uh, to find a vein, he's like, wow, that was quick. Yeah. He's like, your veins are just popping out all over the place. I'm like, yeah, I'm watching England. No shit. <laughs> so, you know, I'm driving home, and Dyer hits it, and I literally, I don't think I made a sound for like a minute. I don't think I smiled. I don't think I blinked. I remember where I was on uh, on uh, 258. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was just like, oh, my God. What the fuck? <laughs> When's the shoe going to drop? I mean, I, it literally, it took me like two minutes to finally be like, oh, my sweet baby Jesus, we did it. What the blithering fuck we did? And, I mean, I've just been, I've been on top of the moon since. You know, I listened to talk sport for like an hour afterwards. Um. You know, it's, it's just, it's one of those, I mean, it's an amazing win. Um, it should have never got to where it got to. No. Uh, that said, all the credit in the world to Yuri Mina, who's been fantastic in this tournament. Man, it's almost like, you know, he could have played for Barcelona and maybe helped him some this year. Maybe. But, uh, but no, we got to play in this game. Of course. And PK. <laughs> Yeah, it's big World Cup week. And, and it's and it's Tuesday night, so you know usually that's true. The Monday night and off Tuesday. Usually, I catch up on one Tuesday night and then watch the other on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And, and, so I'm actually missing the damn SmackDown tonight too. So <laughs> um, this this uh, this was so raw for the week. Yes, <laughs> thirty six uh, fouls, eight yellow cards in this match. Bizarre. In the face. Yeah. I mean, still shocks me that he was on the feet at to, the end of the match. To all um, the people who 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 like to compare Henderson in his reaction to Neymar, shut the fuck up. It's it's literally not even close. This. this I mean, that was that was like a straight up teeth rattler. I. I, mean, I he went low and came like up into the bottom of his jaw. It's like shit. I would have been checking to make sure my teeth were still there. It's just, it's bizarre. Anyway, yeah, it was it it was that it, it was just to to quote one of your favorite words. It got a little chippy out there. Oh, there was the one I told you where uh, quadr- more than a wee bit chippy. Yeah, there was the one where uh, Quadrado and Maguire got a little pushy shovey down by a corner flag, and as I told you. Quadrado is lucky Harry Maguire isn't Sergio Ramos and just fell down and instead Maguire's proper hard and kind of shoved back. Um, and, and then also decided not to... Yeah. Um, very... Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was just... It was a very ill-tempered match. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, still very... Smart. And, you know, they went through a point there right after the England penalty mm-hmm. where... You know, obviously, Colombia were furious, even though it was a clear fucking penalty. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, Jesus, but they went through a few minute period where he, it's like half their team got yellow cards, mm-hmm. and they made the point of saying on TV, "He's going to keep giving these cards out until somebody either goes." <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So um, Columbia finally kind of took the hint, but it was a very ill-tempered. Apparently at halftime in the tunnel, yeah. um, a, a one of the assistant coaches shoved Raheem Sterling. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he missed his mark, but anyway. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on Sterling again. But uh, it was, I mean, it was a very ill-tempered, and it looked like it, it could go off the rails. Yeah, oh God. And all I'm sitting here saying as an England fan, of course, when we're up one, Guys, come on! Don't somebody don't don't fuck up. Yeah. Don't fuck up and get suspended for the damn final eight. Don't don't fuck up and miss the quarterfinal. And I think England are okay going into the quarterfinal. Actually, they don't have anybody suspended, but it was mm-hmm. just a, it, it, it was it was scary in the fact that you know I was just waiting for somebody. You know, I was just waiting for Wayne Rooney to <laughs> you know see the red mist and stomp on someone's ankle. Yeah. You know because that's what happens to England. You know mm-hmm. Rooney. If Rudy gets a red card or Beckham gets a red card, that's just what happens to England. I was I was very disappointed in Colombia, um, I which sounds like the most pretentious thing in the world to say, and I don't uh-huh. give a shit. Um, I was very disappointed that a team that talented decided to turn the game into a street fight, and I'm yeah. like, and this is with all due respect to how good this young England team has been. It's England. Like, you. Sh- if somebody does this to Brazil, I can kind of see it because they they seem a little soft and it seems like you can get in their heads a little bit if you do this sort of shit, which Colombia did four years ago in Brazil to them. Um, I, I think this was just stupid against England and I, and I hated it because I thought we could have had a wonderful match and, and they just, they shit on it. And, and as you said, Mark Geiger, Geiger the U.S. ref, um, nearly lost, I think, complete control of the game. Was barely hanging on to it by a thread. Columbia, for about the last 20 minutes of regulation, did sort of pick it up and play normal football again. I, but I was just, for just stretches, I was like, Columbia might not finish this game with nine men on the pitch. Because literally after every call somebody's getting up in Geiger's face and it's like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, like I, I was, it, it just really bothered me that this, the game just completely devolved like that. Um, and also, you know, what I think we, we didn't mention have lost over it. Uh, James, their best player. Yes. Did not play. He was unavailable for the match due to an injury picked mm-hmm. up in the last one. Um, and that does kind of change the way Columbia plays mm-hmm. because they lose that um, that creativity and that creative force. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so that was definitely something in it. But I totally agree with you. You know, this was a this is a Columbia team that can play good football when they want to. Mm-hmm. They just kind of decided today that they wanted to turn into a street fight. Yeah, I think they thought they could maybe intimidate England. You know, it is a younger English team. Yeah. You know, they could intimidate them, bully them around. But it's like, who who on that team are you intimidating? You intimidating Delhi? You intimidating Harry Kane? You intimidating Jordan Henderson? Like, are you in, you're not intimidating Harry Maguire? We saw that. Like, who? Yeah. Kyle yeah. Walker, yeah. Kieran Trippier, you intimidating those guys? Fuck off. It's like Cal Mountain Jr. would say, I'm confused by your tactics. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Talladega Nights today. 
Um, but overall, though, great win for England. A barely believable, as we'd say, win for England. And now us looking forward, you know, we, we talked about Sweden. This is a very winnable quarterfinal game, though, for England. It is. Which is scary to talk about, I guess. Well, in, in my soccer-watching lifetime, they've never been past it. Uh, the last time England were in a semifinal of a major tournament was Italia 90, which they lost on. Penalties. Penalty kicks. Yay. <laughs> Yay. That was the first of the heartbreaking <laughs> Um But I'm going to tell you, man, you know, right now there's just, there's a feel-good factor around this England team. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because this English team is likable. Yeah. You know, we, we were talking about golden generations yesterday. We were texting back and forth. And, you know, they had these, these England squads in the two, in the early 2000s, and the mid-2000s. They had these big names. You know, they had all the names. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, they had Beckham. Beckham's the biggest name in world football, even though he's not the best player. He's the biggest name. You had Beckham. You had Lampard. You had Rooney. You had Gerrard. You had Terry. You had Ferdinand. You had that fucking rat boy, Gary Neville. <laughs> um, you know, you had all these guys. And every one of them was a, quote, superstar. And you know what? Those were all really, really top players. But every one of them had their damn baggage. Yeah. You know, Beckham was the pretty boy who wasn't tough enough. You know, Stevie G, uh, Stevie had a temper. You know, uh, Lampard, they call him fat. I wish I could be as fat as Frank Lampard. <laughs> Swear to God. It's great to be fat and still have a killer cut in a six-pack. Yeah. Um, you know, John Terry... Do we even need to remind you about John Terry? Nope. I mean, John Terry originated the phrase, how'd you like? <laughs> you know, people in this country don't know where that came from. It's because of John Terry. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rio Ferdinand was a controversial figure. Um, Gary Neville was an asshole and still is. <laughs> you know, and I mean, even I'll tell you, you know, as a Liverpool fan, God, I, you know, as a Liverpool fan, I still want to see Rio Ferdinand like tears at the hell. You know, I still fucking hated Wayne Rooney. You yeah. know, I, you know, I mean, and and then we just went through that little mix where we knew we sucked, <laughs> and we had a horrible, and we had horrible managers, and we knew we sucked. So you know, nobody liked those teams. Well, now suddenly you've got this young English team; they're dynamic. You know. I mean, okay, Harry Kane's the biggest personality on this squad, I guess, right? You would say, you would guess, you would... You would, you would uh, if you say personality, I actually... I, I mean, as in, like, you know, worldwide, known, you know... I I don't know, would Delhi actually be more of a... Pers- yeah, but, but, I mean, here's my thing. When, when you really talk... Okay, when you say, hey, you know, name one player for Colombia, Hobbit. Name one player for Brazil, Neymar. Name one player for Portugal, Ronaldo. Sure. I mean, when you na- name one player for England, it's Harry Kane. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's not, oh, well, Deli, Deli. No. <laughs> but you've got Harry Kane. So let's say Harry Kane's kind of the biggest, um, and when I say personality, I don't mean like, you know, he's flashy and doing all this stuff. Right. I mean, like, he's, he's, he's kind of the face of this English team. Sure, yes, yes. Okay, we'll say that. He's the face of this English team. Yes. Um... You've got Jordan Henderson, who, and I want to throw a special little love to Jordan Henderson. Y'all know he's my boy anyway. Jordan Henderson, 
has taken the fact that Gareth Southgate made Harry Kane the captain of this team. Because mm-hmm. remember, before that, Henderson was the English captain. Yes. I think he has taken that so well. Yes. And I think he and Harry Kane actually complement each other so well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, yes, Harry Kane has the armband. I think Jordan Henderson is basically like the co-captain of this English team. Sure, yes. I think he, he does so much to help organize... I mean, you know, he, he's always in the ref's ear. He does a lot of things that a captain does. And, I mean, obviously, he's the captain of Liverpool. He's in on that. Mm-hmm. But, so you got Jordan Henderson. You've got these guys who, yes, they're known. But, I mean, the most controversial person on this team is Raheem Sterling. Yeah. And what's he ever really done? <laughs> as long as you I don't mean, listen to the sun, he hasn't really done that much. I, I mean, other than, yes, he pissed Liverpool fans off immensely. But, I mean, none of these aren't guys who are, you know, they're not this massive tabloid fodder. Yeah. They're not guys who are out, oh, you know, we saw Harry Kane and Jordan Henderson out partying till four in the morning the night before the match. <laughs> no. No one's banging each other's wives on this team <laughs> that we know of. Yes, yeah. You know, um, there, I don't think there's anyone other than baby Raheem Sterling who's just infinitely hateable on this team. <laughs> uh, and I think that's just so big because I, I think for the first time in maybe 25, 30 years, I think England, I think the country are really embracing this team. Mm-hmm. And, and it took a while. Was, yes, they did not have the massive expectations. Yeah. So they couldn't, they couldn't fully disappoint everyone. Yeah. You know, they, they will, they still will eventually, but it's not as bad as it could have been. Um, they don't, you, you know, it's not, it's it suddenly, it's one of those, they actually feel like, man, this is England. This isn't just Team Spurs and Team Liverpool and Team United. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I mean, I've, I've found myself going, crazy. come on, Harry, come on, Harry, come on, Jesse. And you know, I don't like Jesse. Like, oh, Harry. yeah. You know I don't like Jesse. And, I mean, I, when Lingard's up, I'm like, come on, Seven, come on, Seven, you got this, baby, you got this. I mean, t- today Marcus Rashford stepped up and hit that penalty, and I was so excited for Marcus Rashford. <laughs> um, I, I just, I think this is the first time England have embraced, really embraced their team since maybe Euro 96. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time they've really embraced them. And you're seeing it where the players... I think the players are playing from a standpoint of love mm-hmm. instead of a standpoint of, okay, just don't fuck this up and mess up my brand or, you know, put me in the spotlight as being the guy who screwed everything up. You know, like Jordan Henderson missed that penalty today. And like I said, I was yeah, they're going to blame him. And, and every one of those guys like, hey, man, hit. Mm-hmm. and Henderson himself just being Jordan Henderson's like, all right, hey, head up. Here we go. Here we go. We still got a chance here. And I just I think it's a it's a different feel around this England team. You don't have that cocky asshole of a manager. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have the spin Gordon Erickson, you don't have Capello who just thought he was God's gift to football. You don't have Big Sam who for some reason thinks he's God's gift to football. <laughs> you don't have Roy who just inspires no confidence in anything. <laughs> you don't have Steve McLaren who we're still trying to figure out how he became a national team manager. <laughs> I mean, and you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Southgate hiring, but mm-hmm. I also said, well, let's give him a chance. You know, I'll give him a chance. Let's see what he can do. And they're ready tonight <laughs> after a court, after a round of 16. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, just to wrap it up, I know, folks, I get long on Liverpool and England. It's who <laughs> I am, that's what I am. Um, I mean, England are in a great opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm already dreading it because I just I just know we're going to lose. <laughs> but that's that's a good thing for me. I need to know that we're going to lose so that I can be excited if, if and when we win. So uh, England, this is—it's uh, been a—it's been a great run. They're back in the quarterfinal. They do have a chance. The bracket is opened up for them. Mm-hmm. And man, right now, just enjoy the ride. Well, and that—that's what I was going to kind of wrap up our World Cup talk with. Is I believe it was last week we talked about you know England. They—they—they they, they are likable. They—they have had a good run. And, you know, we, we didn't know exactly who they'd be playing last week when we talked, but we knew they would be in the round of 16. And we kind of started thinking, well, you know, they might get matched up potentially in the quarterfinals with Brazil if they end up on that side of the bracket. And, you know, if they if they fall in the round of eight to Brazil in a good match, you know, that that's that's it'll hurt in the moment, but it's still a pretty feel-good result for England overall. Now that you're playing Sweden and you're on the quote-unquote easier side of the bracket, does that change that feeling? Anything where now it's like, well, now we're a better team. We we should be making at least now the semifinals and maybe even the finals. I think about the fan base that can start to creep in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this this group of players. I, think, I just think their their heads are on their shoulders. Yes, better than in the past. I think it's because they're still playing without that pressure. Mm-hmm. I think right now, I mean, England's playing with house money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the players understand that, and I think the play. I think Southgate's doing a good job of making sure that they understand that. And um, I just, I, I, I think, um, I think the country, I think the fan base and the country. I think if they're kind of starting to realize, you know, if don't, if we don't put all our eggs in having to win the world, mm-hmm. we can just enjoy this a little more. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking and hoping, I'm hoping and thinking that's where we're going to. Okay. So, um, you know, if we, like I said, I'm going to just prepare myself anyway. <laughs> I mean, we're probably going to lose this week. <laughs> and if it happens, then, well, you know, it's England, they don't get past the court. You know? Um, but if we win, man, hey, we're in the semifinals. And, uh, of course, going back to my whole my whole part of being, uh, you, know, you know, normally I'm West Positive Bradshaw here, obviously. I'm <laughs> so negative, it's not funny. But, uh, you know, someone said today on the broadcast that this England team has made it about, you know, we don't follow the narrative, we write the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so big in the attitude. You know, and I think today, winning in a shootout, winning the way they did, which, I mean, I was already ready to say, well, it's the most English of Yeah. Because you blow a late lead, and then you lose on penalties. And that's just how it works. England, this England team, hopefully from here on out, they're writing the narrative, mm-hmm. which is really going to get past the quarterfinals. Yeah. All right, yeah, we don't win on penalties either. <laughs> Done that. Yeah. So, you know, let's see. Let's see if, uh, man, I, I'm ready with this team. It's it's coming home, dude. It's coming Just, uh, home. It's oh coming God. home. So you know, I watched the old video today. It's, the it's coming home video um, from 
I think it was from <laughs> 1998 or something. It's so bad, it's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, you should totally watch that on YouTube. It is so bad, it's amazing. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, just get behind them and ride the ride with the Lions. Well, it's going to be fun. Uh, so, again, uh, July 6th. Uh, Uruguay plays France and Brazil plays Belgium to go to the semifinals. On the seventh, Russia plays Croatia and Sweden plays England. Now, between now and our next pod, the semifinals will also take place because the semifinals take place next Tuesday and Wednesday. So, from this right, moment, yeah, from this moment to the next time we pod, we could end up talking about. Well, God, how is England going to match up against Brazil in the final? Oh, Jesus Christ. Shut up, <laughs> Never know. Never know. We're, we're, we're still a ways away from that. But that, I'm just saying, giving our, giving our wonderful listeners a, uh, a possible preview. from one. What does Dr. Strange say? I've, I've viewed 14, poss- 14 million possible outcomes. Well, how many does England make the final? One. <laughs> oh, Stevie. Oh, Stevie's strange. All right. Oh, we love you. He's, I'm sure he's delighted today. Um, uh, real quick, news and notes. We talked about Wayne Rooney. He's going to DC United from Everton. Good for him. Whatever. He really cares. Yeah, doesn't matter. He's um dave sarachin the uh the man who had been captaining the u.s national team side uh is going to have his contract extended to the end of this year but a coach could still be hired before the end of the year so who knows who cares whatever i think, I think one day they're waiting for those world cups yeah. might be somebody from who knows yeah, it's not going to be – this wasn't on the docket, but uh, I did see before I came in here, actually, um, it will not be uh, Yergi Lowe. Uh, he will be retained um, through his contract, which ends in 2022, at least as of right now. So he is – How about Juan Carlos Soria? Why not? Come on over. Uh, we haven't built the wall yet. Um Never mind. Um, and three transfers, uh, one uh, coming into the Premier League, two going out. Uh, Socrates Papadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadopadop
He's now playing for uh, he's an it's an Emirates club. So Oh Jesus God. <laughs> Never to be heard from again. Al Nasser Sports Club. So Yeah, he'll be building he'll be working on the stadium soon. Do, <laughs> uh, they do have a couple Brazilians, so there's there's that. Um, now, Ed, I, I don't know, maybe you looked at it or anything, but um, I know this isn't a finalized transfer, but this is about as close as we've heard of anything happening. Ronaldo to Juventus? Really? Oh? Wait, what? I've heard of this. This has been going on all afternoon. Yeah, this broke, uh, this broke in the afternoon. It's been going on. They're saying there's a chance of a, a 100 million euro move. Uh, for Ronaldo to actually go to Juventus. What? Well, it's weird because when you first started talking, I was like, did, because I, I think we missed last week that um, uh, uh, Gigi Buffon is actually heading from Juventus to PSG, which Correct. was a very well, interesting. Yeah, we kind of known that for a while. Yeah. So. Um, but no, this is, this is, I mean, I'm pulling it up now, but this is the first I've, I've heard about this. And saying, uh, Euro, this is, Quote, almost certain Cristiano Ronaldo will join them this summer. Wow. Huh. Uh, said Madrid will accept a 100 billion euro. Yeah. So then I think it's kind of up to Ronaldo. Does he want to go? I mean... I don't know. Juventus? I'm going to tell you, man. Juventus um, are putting together an interesting squad. Yeah. I mean, they're they're kind of they're kind of like you know what we know we've been close. We need to move some guys out. and We need to bring some guys in. I think they're kind of they're kind of going for it. Yeah. Well, I think they kind of have to because aren't they sort of an older roster or am I crazy? Yeah, they're a little older. A little older. Um, there's word he might he might be on the way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another striker coming in. So and Juventus are definitely. Uh, Making some moves this summer. We'll, we'll have to get into that. Obviously, maybe when the World Cup's over and mm-hmm. we start really looking at the transfer window. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot going on. A lot going on. But Ronaldo obviously would be the uh, would be the mm-hmm. super story of the summer if he moves. Yeah. Wow. That that sort of came out of nowhere. Um, at least yeah, at least to Juventus. Today. Yeah. Just, bam, what the hell? Wow. All right. Um, well, that was. I was about to bring up our weird story on news and notes, but I guess that kind of supplants it. Uh, we'll just quickly mention this other story, though, um, coming out um, today. Uh, John O.E. McKell from Nigeria um, played in the match uh, in the group stage against Argentina, um, despite the fact that his father was kidnapped. Um, he told David Heidner of The Guardian... I played while my father was in the hands of bandits. I had to suppress the trauma. I took a call four hours before kickoff to tell me what had happened. I was emotionally distraught, and I had to make the decision about whether I was mentally ready to play. I was confused. I did not know what to do. But in the end, I knew that I could not let 180 million Nigerians down. I had to shut it out of my head and go and represent my country first. I could not even inform the coaches or NFF staff, and only a very tight circle of friends knew. We've talked a lot about mental fortitude on the pod today. This is insane. And also, his dad's okay. They, they have rescued him. He is, he is good. Um, but, Wes, this is, you know, 
we'd be lying if we said that this wasn't the first time we've ever talked about a family member of a soccer player being kidnapped. Um, but this is to, to go out and play in that situation with, with that on your mind. I, I can't even imagine what kind of mental strength that takes. I mean, totally. Just the fact that you're in, you're on the biggest stage in the world, and you know, there's your dad being kidnapped. That's crazy. Um, and the fact that he was able to play through it and keep it down. But you know, that's that's an unfortunate problem in some of these third world countries. Really, when mm-hmm. you are, when you quote make it out, yeah, and you're the guy who gets money. You know, um, they do. They will. Uh, you know, they will target your family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, oh, well, hey, he's got money. He'll pay for him to come back. And, I mean, it's a terrible thing that happens. We've heard about it in the past. Mm-hmm. Baseball players, mm-hmm. especially down in Latin America, this yes. happens. Yes, yes. Um, so, I mean, really, really sad John W. McHale had to go through this. Yes, but, again, it does have a bit of a happy ending because his dad was rescued yeah, and uh, and he's okay. So, good good for you, John O.B. McHale. Um, yes. So that is going to do it for news and notes. Uh, Wes, since there's no so raw, let's quickly hit the watch for. What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be besides the World Cup, if anything? Oh, that was so um, I finished up Brockmire last week. Oh, season uh, two? Season two of Brockmire. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, it got dark. Oh. It got super dark. Did not expect I'm to hear that. Russian roulette and suicide dark. Oh. Oh, this <laughs> is going to be weeds again. spectacular. I'm going to tell you, man. That is, it is, it is dirty, it is raunchy, it is very hardcore. That is such a well-written show. Hmm. And it just, it just has so many layers to it. Um, so that was season two. It was only an eight, it was only an eight uh, episode season. I believe season one was eight or ten episodes. Um, apparently they have uh, signed on for season three and four. Wow, okay. So we will be getting something coming up here, uh, but it, it kind of ends with Brockmire sober. Huh? Yeah, sober. Um, went to rehab, ended up getting a job in rehab, and uh, at last word, he is off to Oakland, apparently, to be their manager, or their uh, announcer. So, um, nice little reunion to end the season. Uh, but man, I would definitely, you know, if you can handle the as I said, the raunchiness and the uh, dirtiness of it is a really good show. There you go. That's on HBO, correct? No, that's on uh, IFC. Ah, IFC. There you, you go. get that over the network, son. <laughs> what? HBO. It's not network TV. It's HBO. Um, uh, I I will be watching tickets already purchased. No, no Avengers Infinity War like shenanigans had to be gone through. Uh, but tickets are purchased for a Friday night viewing of Ant-Man and the Wasp. I am very excited. We've talked about it. Just I, I, I don't even really care about the movie at this point. I just I want to know the end. I just want to see what happens in the in the in the post credit sequence. That's all. I need to know how this fits into the MCU. I'm sure it's going to be a good movie. I like Paul Rudd. It's going to be good. But I just I, I I have to know because it's literally the only thing I've thought about for this movie since I saw the end of Infinity War. I was just okay. <laughs> Explain yourself. So I've heard good things about this. I've heard it's, it's much more. It gets back to kind of the lightheartedness of um, mm. Marvel. Good. Because uh, yeah, so speaking of going dark, on the way out. <laughs> uh, but apparently, yeah, the uh, the two post the two credit scenes um, do 
I believe, go into Infinity War uh, and, and do have something important about that. And I just want to throw something out. Last night at work, when, when we worked the late nights and the overnights, mm-hmm. if we get slow, we like to put in the old fire stick and see what we can find. Mm-hmm. So last night, we uh, we just happened to turn Kong Skull Island. Which oh. we'd all seen before, but we're like, ah, well, you know, hey, it, it's pretty good. It'll pass a few hours. As I'm sitting there watching a particular scene, I suddenly, it just hits me like a ton of bricks that I'm looking at three people on the screen. <laughs> One of them is uh, Nick Fury. Yes. The other is Loki. Yes. And the other is Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my Marvel goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson, Oh. Uh, all having major parts in that movie. Uh, well, they were kind of the three main characters of the movie. So, uh, you know, I was sitting there, I was like, man, I really can't wait for Ant Man and Wasp. Good times. Oh. And uh, that comes out, you said the 6th, next Friday? Or no, this Friday. Yeah, this week. Jesus God, yeah, tomorrow's, today's the 4th. My God. Yeah, I can't wait to go see that myself. Got my movie pass already to go. I'm Ooh. definitely going to see that. Pass. All right, so. That is going to do it then for this episode of the Foreign Affair Podcast. Uh, once again, uh, we will be back next week on our normal time on coming out on Thursdays when we will be talking about the quarterfinals and semifinals of everything that goes down in Russia. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty more, with, especially with the way the round of 16 went. Uh, as always, we are presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. You can find them as a collective on Twitter. Uh, as us, as a collective on Twitter, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. YouTube.com slash The All New Sports Show. Uh, that's our parent show. You can also email us at that address, allnewsportsshow at gmail.com. A big thanks to all our podcast providers, including Podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, the iTunes Music Store, and the Google Play Music Store. Um, so like I said, we'll be back next week, but that is going to do it for episode 217. Wes, do you have anything else to add before we get out of here? Um, to all of our American listeners, of course, a big happy 4th of July. Woo, um, fireworks. Hey, man, it's a, it's a fun holiday. It's a good one. Um, so, you know, definitely uh, be safe, have fun. Uh, folks, I know it's going to say it again, enjoy the football. My God, I mean, <laughs> how magnificent has this summer been with the football so far? It's just, it's just been fantastic. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, um, the American League, holy shit. It's not bad. <laughs> holy shit. Um, it is basically, and sadly, the fact is that um, out of the four teams, uh, two of um, Seattle, um, Houston, New York, and Boston are going to be wild card teams. Yeah. <laughs> so you know somebody's going to be out, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, man, it's just it's damn good this year. Yeah. It is damn good in the American League. The Red Sox won again tonight. Um, it took two or three from the Yankees over the weekend. Uh, man, just uh, we we love our baseball. Mm-hmm. And as soon as, as soon as the football's over. You know, before it starts back in two weeks, uh, we, we will we'll have some baseball time. So. Yeah. That's two <laughs> weeks. Yeah. Literally two weeks. Because, um, yeah, later this month we get to see Liverpool. That's so. right. Yay! Yay! That's like three weeks away. And I get to ask Jurgen Klopp an incredibly inappropriate question. Um, so, for my call in crime, Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much 
for catching up here on the Foreign Affair podcast. Until next time, stay safe. As Wes told you, I would say, enjoy the football. And once again, I said it last week, I said, good night, England. Sleep tight, boys, because we, we, we deserved it after this one. Ooh, yeah, big sleeps. Eat, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, my God. I saw tomorrow somebody posted on Facebook, someone I knew, uh, after the Argentina-France game. They were like, yeah, that was cool and all, uh, but you know, it, it would be cooler if, you know, they scored seven goals in this game. They won't score seven goals in the next four matches. And I was like, they hit seven goals in the third match in the fourth minute when Croatia equalized against Denmark. Like, this was literally the worst tournament to say, like, that of. Like, You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.